This week on the Pushable Legs podcast, we talk about who can actually give out a meal plan, front squats versus back squats, and triple stupid things. Three, two, one. Where's my meal plan, Dan? Hey guys, welcome to the Push Pull Legs podcast with myself, Damik. And me, Tom Hall. Just us two, mate. Just us two. It's weird. Yeah, we haven't got a guest today. We should have had a guest today. Yeah. Um, um, well, we told, did we say last week? Who, oh no, we put in the in the group who it was this week. So we should have been speaking to uh, Emma Story Gordon today, which would have been really good fun had Emma not got the wrong day. <laughs> um so a little peek yeah. behind the curtain just so Emma can feel guilty because we do actually know she she sometimes listens to the podcast and me and Dan both were up Dan was up attending his child I got up at half seven because it was a 9.30 recording like we had coffee we'd had our breakfast we're both sitting here with our coffees just we had our pre-workout we were all ready all there all there and then uh, yeah 30 yeah. minutes <clears throat> just just smashed it so, so we, what what we're going to do is we're going to get a two-part out of her. Like yeah. We're going to get her on the podcast for two hours. We're going to split it into two. Um, <laughs> we're going to milk, milk it for all it's worth, I think. Pretty much, um, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's unfortunate, but these things these things happen. Um, so it's not a problem. We've just got me and Tom today chatting shit as usual. But guess who's in a uh, and stupid things? Um, yeah. oh, all, the, all the celebrities. <laughs> All right, so yeah. uh, so shall we shall we go through what we've uh, managed to conjure up anyway? Because we're, we're we're pretty good on the fly, right? So that's what we can do. Well, yeah, we were we were low on content because we were like, right, well, we've got Emma on, we can literally run through everything with her. We've got all these topics to talk about, and now we're kind of like, oh shit, um, what are we going to talk about? So <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about um, the post that Tom put out about meal plans. I think that would be relevant to talk about. Um, got quite a good discussion on there, and I just want to kind of talk about what I do or have done. Um, yeah, give you guys sign to that. I think. Yeah, just to clarify, I don't normally put out nutrition posts. It was just something. Quite, it was more of an observation that I'd found in a, another PT group that I was talking to, uh, uh, Mr. Gary Mendoza of uh, I believe he's at Bath University and Nutrition Academy. Works with Rich Stenerwald. Um Just a discussion about that, so we'll, we'll dive into that. So. Actually, I actually raised some valid points, um, which he was for a change know, about it was, nutrition. <laughs> wasn't really about it; was more about education that I raised the points about. Was uh, yeah. <laughs> stuck stuck to what I know. So, um, yeah, then we <laughs> then uh, we're gonna go. We got back into journal club, Dan, because nobody's given us. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh no. no, we're gonna talk about front squats versus back squats and uh, what you should be doing with them. To be honest. Um, well, interesting for me anyway, from a training point of view. I'm sure people do back squats, but maybe counterintuitively, um, maybe they should be doing front squats at some point, just because they are arse. Um, and I'm going to give you a reason why you should probably be doing them instead of your back squats. Or not instead of. Oh, God, look at that cliffhanger now. You've got to listen now. <laughs> oh, everyone's Absolute, so excited just, now. And then another one of my statuses that uh, got a little bit of traction. Man. Just more about exercise this time was uh, the the bafflement. Bring I'm bringing back the word baffle. Um, about deltoid exercises and just some sort of raises an, in general, raises, flies, whatever you want to call them. Um, anterior, mm-hmm. medial, and posterior delt raises, I believe they're called. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about that. And then Dan, you've got some stupid thing to talk about. Yeah, I've got stupid things to talk about, so stay tuned for that. Could be quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna name any names though, right? Um, yeah, cool. I need to. Yeah, I need to. Right. It's not specific to one person either. To be fair, there's quite no. a few people that do it. I think I think yeah. we've done a podcast on it before, but um, yeah, probably. 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 Just, it's just literally cropped up this week again, and it's just kind of like you know what, mm. sick of it. So yeah, uh, you also enjoying my t-shirt. Obviously, we're not uh, not putting this on video, but. I I have a T-shirt that says meat. Mm, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Scaring all uh, scaring all vegans. scaring all the vegans away. I'm afraid. So yeah, well, it's, it's not a shirt made of meat. It just says the writing of it. Okay, cool. It's not Lady Gaga. <laughs> all right. So meal plans, Dan. Um, yeah. So obviously, I thought it was interesting your your post. And um, again, I, I kind of I assumed you'd, oh, you thanks, knew. Oh, thanks, mate. But thanks. Um, 
it was it was one of those where it highlighted to me your serious lack of nutritional knowledge so i thought <laughs> i'd better educate you um yeah is that is that technically um you know the whole thing about giving out meal plans is a really really gray area um actually it's not that gray uh, technically illegal for a lot of people to give them out yeah. um but there's 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 also the argument of who's really enforcing that that's the whole thing is like who's going to really complain and um the problem with it is that meal plans by by their very nature are quite prescriptive uh and dietitians go through training at university and okay, i don't know if any dietitians listen but they get a bit of a bad rap um in the industry because they they just don't really know what they're I say not what they're doing that sounds bad but they kind of very much stick to the government guidelines like they're very much kind of like a lot of red tape goes on in what they do and the majority i'm not gonna tile them all the same brush because i know there are a few who are very evidence-based and actually do recommend decent amounts of protein and they know that you can eat fat and all this sort of stuff but the majority kind of preach the low protein low fat high carb um grains are good sugar's bad um kind of approach to things um and and they're the ones that can be prescriptive with meal plans they can give you a meal plan that says eat this at this time uh eat this at this time in this quantity um and personal trainers and nutritionists and remember anyone can call themselves a nutritionist even tom can god forbid um (laughs) they 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 can't give out these prescriptive meal plans now you could argue meal one meal two meal three meal four isn't really prescribing it at a certain time but at the same time, you are prescribing a set amount of food at a set amount of time for someone um, or during the during the day kind of thing. So you're prescribing a diet that's going to see some results that only kind of really a dietitian should be giving out that sort of information. Um, and that's kind of where the gray area lies is that who's really enforcing this? If I give a meal plan to Tom, it, who's Tom going to complain to and get me like locked up no one it's kind of like it's a very gray area um and again what what's going to happen to me am i going to be struck off well struck off what like this nutritionist isn't a protected term like i can't lose my license of being a nutritionist because there isn't one um so this is the problem that you have in, in the industry is that people do give out generic meal plans i've seen them my clients have, have been coached by other coaches and i've been sent them they're horrific um just embarrassing that that i'm considered on a par with these individuals um but that's the reality of of the fitness industry unfortunately there are a lot of people out there giving their clients their own meal plan that they're doing themselves um or what got them lean so that's what everyone else must be using um yes you'll be in a calorie deficit probably quite a severe one you'll probably get a cheat meal um yeah well done anyone anyone can do that like it's not hard um (laughs) and and the, and the reason that I, I wanted to touch on it is that there are coaches like myself who will sit down and potentially design or or go over a meal plan with a client. But the way that we do it is I'll sit down with my client over Skype and I'll say, right, Tom, you know, these, these are the calories you're on. These are your macros that are going to elicit some sort of weight loss. Now, some people don't like the the choice and the freedom that comes with flexible dieting they find it actually quite suffocating they actually just want to be told what to do now i'm not going to sit there and prescribe them a meal plan it's not i'm not allowed to do it and i wouldn't do it anyway but what i will do with them is i'll sit down and say right let's have a look at your week's food and let's kind of plan a rough idea for you of where things sit so you might go right you're gonna have five lower calorie days during the week your breakfast is going to be the same every day. Your lunch is going to be the same every day. But what I'll do is I'll sit with them and I'll say, right, you design it. You're going to sit there with your computer open. You're going to go, right, I'm going to have 40 grams of whey with 80 grams of oats and some fruit. And I'll go, yeah, that's going to be this many calories. That fits well with your calorie allowance for the day. And essentially what you're doing then is you're giving them the flexibility to put in their favorite foods at the time that they want to eat. Um, and you're just helping them create some sort of structure to their day. Now, most people during the week, would eat the same foods i'd argue like i eat the same breakfast pretty much every day the same lunch nearly every day and dinner's the only real meal for me that kind of has any degree of, of flexibility and that's quite normal for most people during the week so what you can do for people is go right well look monday through friday I'm gonna, you're going to design yourself a meal plan i'm going to look over it to make sure that your calories and your macros are on point at the weekend you then might want to have the flexibility of choosing what you want because people like that at the weekends because they have more time and less stress or whatever and that's kind of how I've got around it before with, with clients is to go, right, pick your your six favorite dinners. You're going to split them across the week. That's when you're going to have them. The calories equate over the course of the week. That's okay. But the the key there is that the, 
the client is making the decisions. They're choosing their favorite foods. They're choosing the things they want. And I'm just making sure that the calories and the macros fit and that they're getting in enough of the stuff that I want them to get in. Um, and that's kind of it really, is that the person who's paying the money to, for me to coach for me, for me to coach them is in a position where <laughs> they design their meal plan, which sounds counterintuitive because then you're like, well, why are you my paying you? <laughs> but it's because I'm guiding them to make sure that they go through it properly and that they hit, they're hitting the right energy balance through the course of the week and that they've timed their training correctly, their meals around their training, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I'm not just sending them the same meal plan that I send to everyone else, yeah. um, which is what you see a lot in the industry. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it, really. And if you see PTs handing out meal plans, like that's a big, big no-no. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Tom. Have I ever seen meal plans being handed out? Mm. Uh, yes. Spoken about, yeah. Yes, I have. Um, I'm also meeting up with somebody this weekend who I know is being coached by a uh, a couple of trainers who actually advocate, like they give out on their on their website, it says they give out meal plans. Um, and I've seen these meal plans, so I'm going to give uh, give some advice about that. Basically, on the legality of it, as as probably, I guess um, a lot of my clients know, I give nutritional advice or nutritional guidelines. It much falls under the similar category, but just being safe. I've always used the word guideline and advice, but also mm. um, in the legality of it. This is what I was talking to Gary Mendoza about. Is it, it does depend on insurance as well. Um, so if you're, so there's not many people that were in my, uh, category of being an employed trainer at first, well, at first base. So in theory, if first base are okay with it under their insurance, then you can actually give out a meal plan. Um, but I'm, I would hazard a guess me being head of education. If somebody would say, can I do this? I'd say no. Um, and I wouldn't clear it. So that is probably up to your boss and something through that. As a self-employed trainer, um, this is what I try to get at in my post when I put it out because I didn't talk about any of the nutrition side. I just talk about the legality of it and whether it was okay to do. Um, it's because I, everybody knows the biggest biggest um, company, insurance company to do your personal training qualification is reps. Yeah, I think that's pr pretty much that's that's the mm. industry recognised. People know who that is. They're they're not, perhaps they're not doing so well right now because they've been bought out. Um, but they might be. I, don't, I can't remember who they've been bought out by, but uh, they're probably going probably make a bigger push to go for it again because they're still worldly recognised and whatever. Um, but they did put out a uh, a post which credit to um, about nutritional advice, and it's an official statement from reps. And they were just trying to clarify the appropriate boundaries um, for nutritional advice. So, <laughs> so for your job, job role, as just a level three personal trainer, it says you should not provide prescriptive nutritional advice or develop bespoke individualized nutrition plans for clients. That is right there as number one you mm. should not do. So basically meaning that PTs could only give general advice on healthy eating rather than give prospective and kind of actual like written down meal one two three this is what you're eating 30 grams of this 30 grams of that chicken rice mm. you know the bog standard kind of crap you get um which i'm sad to say is what i'm gonna go talk to my friend about because i've seen the meal plan and it's literally that i'm like but did they check did they check where you can eat those foods can they did they check that you're i don't know that you're okay with that is your it's, balance it's, okay um yeah it's literally embarrassing like, i've heard stories of clients um, not only my clients but other coaches and team boxers clients say um you know they previously they've had a, a meal plan from a coach and they paid for their meal plan and, they, and they've done a questionnaire and they've gone yeah i'm allergic to 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 all nuts they get their meal plan through and it's like yeah chicken uh, and eight almonds and he's gone no no i'm allergic to nuts and he's gone oh i'll have walnuts instead then he's gone no no i'm <laughs> allergic to all nuts and i think and I, got, I can't remember the outcome but i imagine the outcome was something like oh god well you know you're not going to get where you want to get then or probably something but it's just that it's just that it's just so frustrating it's like oh i'm allergic to this or i'm intolerant to that well it doesn't matter like they don't check yeah. they don't check they just put it in it's like what if someone doesn't like rice they yeah. can eat potato instead. Like that's perfectly normal. That's okay. Yeah. You're still losing weight. No, no, no. No, no. It's got, rice, it's, got, it's, got, it's got way too much yeah. starch in it. Isn't it? So it's just it's it's mind-boggling <laughs> as well. And 
and it's, it's just an element of critical thinking um, that these people kind of go, oh, well, they're in shape, they did this, so it must be the only way of doing it. Um, and it's so frustrating sometimes because, again, people have, I've had people who sign up with me for, for coaching and, and you know, sometimes you get the whole, oh, I don't really see what I'm getting for my money because I've not really received a plan from you. I'm like, what do you mean you've not received a plan? Well, you know, I thought I'd get like a, a meal plan, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, well, ho hold on a minute. I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> like, you get my time. Like, you get me. Like, you ask me questions. I formulate your plan with you. We talk about your days. We talk about your training. And we make this fit for you. Um, oh, I just thought there'd be like, you know, a list of foods that I should be eating. And I'm like, well, you can eat any food you want. Yeah. And sometimes it's because they've been coached by these people over and over and again, where they're paying probably the same amount of money they're paying me, but it's only after six months they realize what they get with me, and it's like actually six months down the line, they're like, oh shit, actually, yeah, I can eat a chocolate bar and still lose weight, and you know, I can do this, and I can do that, and I'm not suffering, and I'm not feeling like shit, and I've not got an eating disorder. Oh, this is good, you know? It's like the people out there don't make it very hard for us in terms of competition, um, but it's certainly difficult in that first kind of month sometimes of, tr of training someone who's had a previous coach like that of getting them out of that yeah. that mindset of like oh i've got to eat these set foods at this set time otherwise i'm gonna i'm never gonna get my results um and that's where i think it helps that we put out our stories a bit and go look we've got this lean eating these foods so it's nothing to do with these foods that you're being told about it's nothing to do with that um and yeah it's just frustrating because it's it's so wrong but it's just the norm, unfortunately. Still, still the norm. Still the norm. Isn't it? Um, it is slowly, it is slowly changing, and I think the tide is slowly turning. Evidence-based practice is slowly coming into into the nutrition world a bit more, and and I think sometimes I'm guilty of being in my own little bubble, and I think it's bigger than it is, and actually it's really not. Um, I still see videos go out on, you know, like Mike does, still does really good content on his Facebook page of like sugar's not addictive, and you know all this sort of stuff, um, and people were like oh really like they don't believe it and i'm like jesus christ and then you get like you get a reminder that people still don't know you can eat carbs and lose weight and <laughs> i think sometimes in my bubble i i like i said before on facebook i've turned all the shit off yeah. uh, unfollowed shit loads of people i've defriended loads of people so i didn't really see it but there's still if i logged on to my mate's facebooks and went on there i dread to think what it would look like still baffling because uh, i've i've advocated i think over the last week was uh i told someone i'd rather rather than eat a packet of crisps than a packet of nuts mm. they're absolutely shocked they're like yes. i was like yeah yeah it's fine it's like the crisp packet's gonna be like what 100 150 calories i was like the packet yeah. of nuts is like 200 odd i was like yeah eat that it's way better it's like you can have two, pack, two packets of them, and then you're okay. And it's the same sound output. It's like, what? You, you're kidding. What about the fat content? I was like, yeah, it's going to be fine. We're okay. <laughs> it's, it's like I saw the other day, I saw today actually, this morning, I saw on someone's Instagram stories. Like, again, on Instagram, I follow a few more kind of bro-y people than I do on Facebook, I think. But, um, you know, there's a guy there, and he's had three eggs, bacon, avocado, for breakfast. And I'm like, that's cool. That's a cool breakfast. If you enjoy it, mate, like, go and spinach, whatever. And I was like, cool, go for it. But... I think he's having it because he thinks that he shouldn't have carbs at breakfast, you know? Like, yeah. throw a bit of toast in there, mate. That'd be even nicer. Like, this is exactly, exactly what I had this morning was bacon. I had four rashes of bacon, two eggs, and a bagel. It's just, it's just funny how, isn't Amazing. it, though? That It's funny how, I just think it's really interesting how you can say to someone, oh, yeah, this morning I had bacon, egg, avocado, spinach. Um, drizzled with some olive oil that's real healthy that a few nuts meat and nuts breakfast whatever right. but yet you say to someone oh I had three rashes of bacon two eggs and two bits of bread oh whoa 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 <laughs> that's, that's bad for you you shouldn't be eating that like all like, of a sudden like the avocado which is more calories than the two bits of bread is the thing that's making this meal like amazing and it's it's hilarious when you just go if you substituted one thing off that yeah uh, all of a sudden it becomes even more unhealthy so then you know you take away the bread and put in two pancakes, it's like, Jesus Christ, man, like, what, are you American? Like, you're going to get so fat. And it's <laughs> and like, just... It's the same. It's pancakes. It's, what, is it yeah, like flour, like, egg, and fucking... Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it fascinates me. It really fascinates me that even in um, some professional bodybuilders, like, I'm not going to slag them off because they, they know their shit, right, and they get lean and they get shredded. But it's when you see them eating, like, steak and rice in their off-season, and they're like off-season baby i can put barbecue sauce on this and i'm like oh my god like you can put mo much more than barbecue sauce on it mate like, this is <laughs> off you know and it's like they eat the same food but have barbecue sauce on it um and that's their off-season you know and it's 
it's baffling. It really is. It's frustrating, but because that's what that's these people look. You know, our clients or potential clients, should I say, look up to these sorts of people and 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 what they're doing, and they assume that that's the only way of doing it, and that's why they're there. And my argument is that they're there in spite of that. Like, and and it's one of those where I think I saw a good quote the other day. I think it was Ben Carpenter. Who I like actually. I follow a lot of his stuff, and I really like some of his stuff that he posts. Uh, and he put. Um, if you told me that I, to lose 10 kilos and to be on stage at Olympia and to be absolutely shredded, I had to eat tuna every day for three weeks, I'd do it. He was like, if you told me I had to eat tins of tuna every day for three weeks to lose two pounds, I'd tell you to go fuck yourself. And it's basically like, uh, people need to understand that if you're going on the Olympia stage, you will do anything you would do. You would do literally anything. If you're a bodybuilder, you love what you do. You would eat just tuna and you would grind it out. You do your cardio and. But the point is that people who want to lose 10 pounds and just look a bit better in their bikini or their swim, swim shorts, try and do the same thing. And the reality is the, the prizes and the outcome of winning that is so much more than, than stepping onto a beach, right? So again, it's just that whole thing of the, the, the magnitude of what you have to do should be relevant to the prize or the outcome that you're going to achieve. And the reality is that for a lot of our clients, they will never need to ever do that kind of diet to achieve what they want because they just don't need to, they don't need to go to that extreme length. And even we don't arguably when we step on stage, yeah, the last three, four weeks might be hellish and you're probably just eating meat and veg predominantly with a bit of carbs, but you still, we still rotate that meat. We don't just have tuna and, you know, and broccoli or chicken and broccoli Like we might have a bit of mince or whatever, uh, turkey, fish, like, you know, you can change it around, but it's just fascinating. I think that, that people assume that because Mr. Olympia is doing it, that they need to be doing it. Yeah, basically. So I think if we wrap up that meal plan and just give a general outline of the insurance stuff. So if you're just if anybody's worried about doing it, maybe, um, and they've done it before, but maybe stop now. Um, if your insurance is reps and just through that, they don't advocate it and you need more than just a personal trainer level three to do it. So don't do it. Just give nutritional advice, do how we've been doing. Um, if you have a this is the 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 safety of it is having a degree in nutrition like a free four-year degree in nutrition and then you can call yourself a dietitian of some sort um that's what gary mendoza shout out to me um and then i was like okay but then there's a middle ground um through i guess quite a few of us full is so obviously my master's degree is completely different in training systems more than anything else um so biomechanics but the sports science degree is is the kind of gray area so every sports science degree is different um don't take them at face value of just oh you've done sports science this person's done sports science therefore they are the same um mine sports science with strength and conditioning yet i did two modules on sports nutrition and general population nutrition didn't retain any of the fucking knowledge, but I, def I definitely did do the two modules. So if I was to go to my insurance company, which is Financial Fitness, and said, oh, I did these two modules, uh, can I do this with nutrition? They would probably say yes. Um, but you have to check with your insurer uh, would be the safety net. Um, as long as they clear you for it, you are okay. Um, just Because it's just the, the safety of if somebody gets a shitty reaction from some of the meal plan that you've given them, um, or it doesn't like they're them. allergic to nuts and you take nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, the chances of you getting sued are very low if uh, if you have that safety net. But just don't make that stupid. Ask allergies. I'm hoping people have asked allergies before and what people like to eat and what people don't like to eat and try to fit it around. Um, generally, how to create a plan. It's not like it's not more hardcore if you're eating foods you don't like. <laughs> It's, it doesn't change the calorie balance. It's that not more hardcore. Like, no. You don't have to suffer more. It doesn't make the end result any better. <laughs> all right, we'll cap that there. We'll have a short break now, guys, and then uh, we're going to talk training on the backside. Nice. Three, two, one. Three, Wonderful. All right, uh, Dan's going to apologize for the last 20 minutes. I've just yeah, Tom just I've... told me. Tom just told me that me playing with my pen was causing noises on the microphone. So <laughs> I've uh, I've put the pen down now. So sorry if anyone was having 
piercing sounds in their ears. Tom was just <laughs> moaned at me. It's usually Tom that makes them makes these shit noises with his phone going off and all sorts. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but it's me today, so I apologise for that. Just, but I've, I put it down. So it was just quite piercing. But I kept on having every thirty seconds. I don't know if the listeners uh, can agree. Well, they do it's now because you've told them. But if we had never told them, <laughs> you unnoticed. No, it would have been unnoticed, and then they would have been like, "No, I'm going to switch off." Yeah, so, <sighs> all right, yeah, let's go. Front squats versus back squats, Dan. Um, mm. Do you have an opinion on this? You don't really know my angle, so I'll just give my opinion on them before you go on your angle. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think they both have their place, um, and I think people often just do back squats without really thinking about why they're doing back squats. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I don't really use front squats at the moment because I do most of my quad work in other ways, like on machines and stuff, because it's just a little bit safer in terms of pushing myself to failure and, and kind of pushing the intensity up with, with those kind of lifts. Um, but I, I'm just now thinking about it, actually. Maybe front squatting could be quite good fun to change for a few weeks from back squatting. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I would guess that most people don't know why they should be front squatting instead of back squatting. Yeah, well, I think the, the common theme, um, I guess, when people think about front squatting and back squatting is – Obviously, the difference between each is anterior to posterior load. Agree? Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Hence why it's called front and back squat. Um, so we can talk about, uh, I guess we can talk about the EMG activation, to be honest, because that's what we're looking for. What muscles do they act, like, activate? What pelvic positions can we sit in? That kind of stuff. Because you can probably feel with an anterior load, you can sit nice and deep um, mm-hmm. in your kind of hip, hip groove. Um, so depending on how far we can go so you can probably hit a deeper front squat than you can back squat safely um like a goblet squat or whatever so if we look at um all muscles involved so you said like quad work there so for front squats which is actually true so yeah i think i think the uh the fallacy is that it's way more quad than uh, a back squat but it's it's not a massive amount um yeah you're talking like maybe 10% 10% more activation, um, maybe like 50% on, 60% on within like, um, let's say like an 8 to 10 rep range or something like that. Um, on like vastus mead, vastus lat, and like rec fem. So it's just, which is pretty good. Um, so you're going to hit more quad for your front squat. So obviously, you can generally hit less load in a front squat as well. So you're going to hit them more. Um, but weirdly, um, I actually put front squats in a posterior chain day sometimes when I'm training. Maybe if I'm training somebody for strength or maybe they'll be supplementary to a deadlift. Um, can you think why that is? Maybe because they use more hamstrings than a back squat. So they actually don't, no. A back squat actually uses no. more hamstrings. So the, the mm. reasoning for me, because... So why um, would you then? Why would I? Um, so they actually use activationally a, le- a lot more rectus spinae. Um, so on the posture position, so you're thinking top of your posterior chain um, is actually trying to fight. Basically, your back's trying to fight, not your. I think a lot of people think abs as well. That that's the thing that's you're trying to brace yeah, to keep you up. That, didn't you? It does that. That we. It's not true. Um, yeah, it's not your abs that are trying to brace to keep you up. Your it's your spinae trying to grapple to pull you back and sit into your hips. That's the guy that's really firing on, and that's not bad. That's something we want to happen because structurally it has to be there. So you've got all that um, fascia down, at the, your lumbar fascia down there, and it all connects to your rectus spinae that jumps up your uh, back of your lumbar and <clears throat> up to your thoracic. It's pretty. There's loads of fucking spinae um, stuff in there. All the erectors are staying up there, but that's probably the main reason why I put it on a posterior chain day, some sort of deadlift after. Also, it just it shies away and puts some quad in there because um, most of the time we do just do a whole lower or either hitting a whole day. Um, so actually, the hamstring activation is actually more in a in a back squat. It's not tremendously amazing. That's they're not hamstring exercises. Obviously, go do yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not why you're doing it. But in terms of quad and like a rectus spinae and glute function, um, I would go with front squats because actually the glute. The glute activation is pretty much fucking the same between a back and a front squat. So there's, it's either or. And I think it's been proven by uh, Brett Contreras as well. He did a, uh, with Chris Beardsley, with his EMG machine, that 
he seems to use every fucking week. I'm pretty sure if you got one, I guess he'd use it, right? Um, mm. He did. He did his goblet squats over back squats, and it was something crazy activationally. So the thing is, though, the thing the thing that you have to be careful of though with activation, yep, is right. Let's say, for example, that you do a back squat, five rep max, front squat, five rep max, and the gluteal percentage activation is the same. If you're lifting more load on the back squat, then there's still more load going through the glutes. For sure. So it's one of those where, like, yeah, it's like that. I, I, and I see it all the time with, like, the goblet squatters. Like, oh, yeah, the goblet squat's really good for activating your glutes. It is, but... But you have to do okay, three let's, of let's, them let's to say, compare the yeah, let's say, right. Yeah, let's say that I'm doing a goblet squat with 30 kilos and my glutes are activated 90%, but I do a back squat with 120 kilos and my glutes are activated 70 or 80%, it's not that the goblet squat is going to get you better glutes or bigger glutes. It's just that it works them a little bit more through like maybe the whole range or whatever. So it's more useful to know <clears throat> that information in order to probably like structure, structure your warm-up or your exercise progressions and things like that. Yeah. Um, because otherwise you start then not doing back squats and just doing goblet squats thinking you're going to get better glutes or stronger glutes and that's not what we're talking about when we say like emg activation it's more just about working out what muscle groups are working per se so anyone that's ever done front squats will know that when you do front squats your erector spinae is on fire yep. your adductors are also on fire uh and your quads when you do them you don't think oh actually like when i've done them before i don't think oh my god this is like a million times harder on my quads than doing back squats it's not but like Tom says, it, you do feel it in those areas that it does differ hugely from doing a back squat. I mean, that's that's the thing as well, because uh, speaking on that, on the load, you generally don't feel it on those quads because a lot of people can back squat more than they can front squat. So you know your legs can take that load and it's other limiting factors like erector spinae that are the guys that they give out before. So those are the things that you're training it for and not maybe your quad yeah they're activated but that's not they're not the most taxing thing in that exercise so it's interesting to look at i think anyway um put and maybe it puts a different perspective of where people can put them in their programs um so that's the only the reason why i'd put it in a in a, some sort of deadlift day is because of that reason obviously there's you're perfectly applicable to put it in another day um or put so it where in. would you where would you just a quick question where would you put it in then if you were doing it on a deadlift day because if you do it before you deadlift then you're fatiguing your erector spine or if you do it after you're gonna be fatigued from deadlifting so you're not gonna be able to lift as much so generally i'd put it after um so it's a supplementary yeah. exercise but i would also yeah. put in some sort of hinge pan uh before it um so it'd either be a b or a c exercise um but it would generally be for say it'll be like pause work um more than likely or it'll be high rep work so you're talking mm. if i was doing let's say deadlifts are generally then would be between ones and sixes um the front squats are going to be between six and tens god high rep front squats yeah. jesus yeah well the thing the is like, <laughs> they're, they're just gonna be there's again there's, there's not enough load to be I just you're just gonna give out, so I know your legs can push the load through your back squat. So there's not much point. So you've got to think yep. uh, a kind of risk over reward. I've got to just load up, especially I've got to do more reps at a like, kind of a just smaller load to get that EMG and make sure I'm pushing enough volume load through those muscles. So I can obviously back squat more, mm. but yeah, it's that counter counterbalance, right? So in summary, do both. Um, just split them up. Don't do them in the same day. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm. Pretty much. Ooh, that sounds like bollocks. Probably because it is. Stupid things on the internet this week. Right. Um, so I think we're going to do, after what we decided to talk about in the break, because Dan found another stupid thing, we're going to do slightly extended. Because um, we've got three three things, I think, we're going to slightly chat yeah. about. Three things. Uh, no. Three things. Let's start with the first one we're going to start with, and then we'll talk about the ones we've just found. Um, right. So the first thing that's really frustrated me at the moment, and it, it comes from... Fitness educators, I posted about it on my Facebook actually. Who, no, I shared it. I shared it. Yeah. Oh, cheers, mate. Good. <laughs> um, who have just seemed to have done a complete 180 degree turn on all their beliefs without saying a word about why that's the case or how that's the case. And like one in particular that I follow for the shits and gigs <laughs> is 
recently, just all of a sudden, everything is protein and calories, the only thing that matters. Um, carbs and fats doesn't really matter what you do. Make do what you want with it. Like you know, you be flexible. And it's coming from someone who probably a year ago was saying that carbs were were what was the problem, and that insulin was really bad, and that everyone's pancreas was was dysfunctional, wasn't wasn't using the the carbohydrate correctly. Insulin was all over the place. You know, all this sort of stuff. Like literally a year and a half, maybe year and a half maybe yeah maybe a year and a half ago and they've got hundreds of thousands of followers and they make hundreds of thousands of pounds a year drives nice cars lives in nice houses and is too far above everyone else to to admit they were wrong and to go actually guys hands up i made a mistake i've learned from these people that actually this is now the case and actually it is energy balance and i was wrong to kind of go on about carbs so much and, and insulin so much but no, doesn't doesn't happen. Like literally nothing, um, and it just really, really gets on my nerves because they've got this huge following now from preaching this the whole time, from preaching this shit, to now then totally change their tune. And all the comments on their posts are like, "Oh, great post, yeah, speaking the truth and all this sort of stuff." I'm like, "You were commenting saying that same stuff two years ago." Like, so they've changed their tune, but you, you, you know, they they've not said why, and I and I always keen to say even on we've talked about this podcast like we did a podcast on it not that long ago about things that we've learned and mistakes we've made and i think that we all make everyone makes mistakes like you don't become the greatest investment banker overnight without making a few bad investments you don't become the best brain surgeon in the world without probably having a couple of operations that maybe didn't go to perfectly to plan and it's okay to go hands up like i made a mistake i'm going to learn from that i'll never do it again because i've learned um and it, you know, being humble about it and all that sort of stuff is really important. And it just frustrates the hell out of me. Um, and people might say, oh, it's only because they're more successful, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's really not. It's because that they got their success by lying to people and deceiting them and basically being wrong. But they're not prepared to admit that and say, I'm really sorry I was wrong. And I, I paid this guy money to go to a seminar where he said that, that same shit. And that's what frustrates me is I don't mind. Like, I'm not going to sit there and go, I want my money back. I'm just going to go, fair play to you for admitting you were wrong and you know that you've now changed it and you've learned. You're still learning. That's really good to know because that means when I'm in the industry for that many years and I'm going to be learning at that age that I'm going to be able to go, yeah, I'm still learning. I'm still making sure that I fine-tune my craft. Um, yeah. Does my fucking head in. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Yeah, admit you're wrong. We've There's nothing wrong it. with admitting you're wrong. Like yeah. I'd, I'd much rather I'd much rather spend time with people who are willing to put their hands up and say I was wrong, um, I made a mistake, than be around people who just claim they know everything and that they've never been wrong and that they're always right and they speak in a very derogatory ter terms and speak almost down to people like they're idiots mm -hmm. if they thought anything else and it's just yeah. I think I think it's something that we look for in like employees, people we work with, uh, clients as well. Just yeah, the ability to kind of take on and learn new things and admitting maybe where how they've got there now is maybe we can do it a different way or there's another journey. Um, so yeah, just admit that you might have made some mistakes, otherwise you'd be in that situation. Especially when when somebody's such a big name in an industry um, and they've got there and just flip flopping kind of around and be like, oh yeah, this is this is the cool thing right now. I'll jump on that bandwagon. Oh, this is cool now. Much against, even reps level three say don't follow fad, um, celebrity-based endorsed stuff, which is great. I'm glad they're saying that. Oh. Mm. Cool, my stupid thing, Daniel. Um, so another post I put out the other day was uh, anterior, medial, and posterior delt raises. And the fucking you mean you mean you mean tra you mean trap work? <laughs> yeah, trap, trap and back and hip work, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, what the fuck? It, it, it's it's always something that's posed, uh, I guess, as powerlifting and strength wise. I don't do them very often, um, and when I do do them um, in a some sort of volume hypertrophy phase, I don't lift very much. Maybe it's just out of uh, of annoyance and jealousy that I'm saying this, that I, I can't lift very much through these movements because I don't train very often. And mm. and believe it or not, these are not major muscle groups that are being trained um, during these movements. And they're not strong movements. It's like, it's it's crazy the amount of recruitment that's there. 
and there's nothing really going on. I find it baffling when somebody can quite happily pick up like some 16s to 20s and just kind of on some sort of lateral or reverse raise and just start flying away with it and just being like kip. I think uh, Alex posted and was just like, yeah, it's that, that little... That little drop as well to get yourself down yeah, to get, and your to arm get, to, get <laughs> <laughs> to just make sure your upper trap gets involved. Did you know, uh, guys, that your upper trap is really quite a dysfunctional uh, mechanism that draws your scapula out of position, um, mm-hmm. and it's more likely you want to learn in in uh, structurally you want to learn to use your lower trap, which really pulls yourself down and puts you in a nice strong position for any kind of row or pull up. Which is amazing. I mean, you probably see the guys with massive, massive traps, and then I challenge you to ask them to put their uh, hand over their head, uh, and just in a nice kind of windmill way, and see what happens. Like uh, this. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, me, me, amazingly, me and Dan could do it quite well, but we've been talking. It's, it's, it's funny as well because I, <laughs> I, 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 the other week I had like, um, I, I was doing like with, I'm still on like the ten kilos for like lateral oh, yeah. raises. Easy, yeah. And um, and. I think I did the other day. I did set AMRAP sets and got up to like eighteen, seventeen, that kind of thing. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll try a set on the twelve and a half for ten. You know, see if I can get. I got barely got ten good ones out. Yeah. And I was like, because again, it's a twenty-five percent increase. It's a massive jump in weight. Yeah. But I was like, but I did it. I didn't like flap around with it and like you know all that sort of stuff. And I was so happy with myself. And then the next set, I tried it and I got about four. And I was like, oh, they're gone. <laughs> they're just gone. <laughs> so I know that for me, it's like one set of them. But think how much more volume load you're doing in that, you know, in- just by doing a one set of those. Interesting it's- you just said that right there. That's a tw- up 2.5 kilos from the 10 to 12 and a half. That's 25% increase. Imagine doing that across the board on any of your other exercises. You go in like, oh, and then bench press. I'm, I just fancy bench pressing the same amount of reps at 25% more. So I'm benching yeah. 100 for like fives. Now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go for 125 this week for fives. Is that cool? What what are you talking about? Tom? That's massive jump. Well, that's exactly what you're doing. Fucking doing on those fucking raises that you're doing. Jesus Christ! And it's basically like because uh, I I'm not in a CrossFit gym, but people do CrossFit in my gym, which is stupid. Um, not CrossFit is CrossFit can be stupid, but they're just doing it in my gym. It's quite small. It's a studio space, to be honest. Um, but like the single arm snatches, that's what it looks like to me in some of these kind of raises. Yeah. Um, fair enough, they're using a pronated grip to try and hit medial um, in this lateral delt stuff, um, which is fine. But just when it flies way above, and they're, they're literally when their hand goes over their head, yeah. it, that's all. That's all trap. That's you're just doing nothing. Um, Painful. Isn't it? And it's there's, when there's and it's the annoying thing of no tension, and they think they've got there through using mm. those muscle groups, and it's just. And back and hips and down, back and hips and down, and I'm like just like. Well, I saw I saw someone the other day doing the, um, you know, they're, they're basically just doing cable curls with you know bicep curls with a cable. Oh yeah. But they were they were effectively doing that. You know, when you go from low to high and you do like cable flies for your chest, they yeah. were basically doing that. And then at the top, when they got their, you know, their hand was up near their face, they're probably then just then doing a curl with it, and they were just like jerking it around like this and like this. And I'm like, is he doing single arm flies or is he doing cable curls? Like, <laughs> so um, like a... Same thing, right? It's exactly the same thing. It's like they think that because they're lifting a heavier weight, that must be all bicep, and they're you know they're going to get yeah. big arms. It's like no, you're just using a different muscle group now. It's a different exercise. Yeah. <laughs> but bless them if they don't know, then that's fine. But hopefully, because. Yeah. But maybe, 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 maybe I was doing them. Uh, I think it was on Friday that I posted out about this because I was doing thirty reps. Basically, I was doing from lateral into frontal into reverses, um, and then I had some bicep curls on the back. And thirty reps for me, I was hovering around the six kilo mark for that, and oh, I was, that was real, real, real taxing. <laughs> and it was just the fact that. Uh, there's a guy next to me using like 15s doing the same thing uh, and just flying around. I was, I was really hoping that he was going to be like, oh, why are you doing it like that, mate? Um, maybe I should have went over and been like, but mm. people don't really like that if I can go, oh, dude, like, do you want to do it like this? Because then you're going to get maybe a little bit stronger or better. You know, but that's not going to happen, right? Um, and then Dan just found another stupid thing. So we can rant oh, yeah. another one. It's Jesus like, Christ. Yeah. It's like this... It's like a strap that you attach to yourself <laughs> and round your arms that improves your posture. Um, it looks kind of like, imagine a backpack without the pack on the back, 
Um, so just the straps that kind of pull your shoulders back, really. Um, I don't think that's really solving the problem, though. Oh, I don't no. think I don't think that's going to help. It's a strap that goes round your round your waist and attaches to these two straps that then pull your shoulders back in place. Um, uh, it looks pathetic, um, and it's fifty percent off limited supply now. Thirty dollars if you want it. Uh, <laughs> pulls the shoulders back and straightens the spine. Amazing. I I don't get how that would last. So as soon as you take it off, your posture's not going to have improved anyway, no. um, because it doesn't really help with any kind of um, postural balance and helping your you know your muscles and all that sort of stuff, because. Posture tends to be something that's just completely down to the fact that people don't spend enough time doing the right exercises. And, so, and yeah, yeah. So I, it, Rather it, than just kind of like forcing it back the other way, I don't think that's really going to really gonna change much. <laughs> so interestingly, uh, I think, uh, so myself and, uh, you know, Luke Wormington, Postural Restoration Institute, he knows a fair bit about posture. And we, we both did uh, a kind of, it's it's kind of bad, but this is what happens within our industry sometimes. Is that maybe so? Our company considers considered us experts um, amongst like testing and doing some postural analysis and doing some stuff like that. So we went into another company to see what they were doing because it's about part of our outset research. And uh, <laughs> we went and got this done because apparently a lot of people had said it was good. And then uh, yeah, their postural analysis was so bad. And they were, they were like, oh, you're staying in this position a hell of a lot. And then the argument, obviously, we posed back to them was like, posture is ever changing. You're ever moving. You're always changing all the time. You're always mm -hmm. breathing. You're always doing something different. Therefore, yeah, you're going to spend a lot of time in this position. But suddenly I've just moved to the side and I've moved again. And you're constantly fidgeting. So it's, it's kind of where you spend most, but you never, a lot of people just don't, I think people think about slouching and sitting still the whole time, but that doesn't really happen. It's usually something structurally with the pelvic and they're probably their, their uh, mm. ribcage position so in anything to their breathing it's just um very very odd um but with the posture thing as well but they're they're, they're thinking about the upper back and the thorax to way too much right and they've not gone down to the pelvis and seeing what what happens when you have a, like basic in terms a little tuck under the pelvis and your lumbar spine gets all nice and curved mm. i think most people when they slouch sit like that and then just just think do it right now if you're sitting down and then just try and stick your ass out in a nice basically and straighten up that lumbar spine it's probably going to sort out everything up top I'm going to pretty much guarantee maybe they need to spend a little bit more time in you know something called neutral well it's got a back strap mate it's got the strap that goes around, the, around so, your waist does it go down the back. back does it go all the way down the back does it no it's just like a like a waist trainer thing like goes right so that must work right like a weight belt that's, that's fine <laughs> just wear so, a weight belt the whole time the only the only way that would work is uh if if it was uh it was if it was around your hips as well so you've got to go around yeah. everywhere yeah. down there so it'd be like some sort of nappy strap thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but there's also another one that's making the rounds is like a little shocker that you put around like somewhere near 2E12 to L1 and you put it like right in the crevice of near erector spinae and as soon as soon as that drops it kind of shocks you back up and um, basically basically I think it's, it's some sort of operant uh, conditioning that basically you get shocked for doing something bad mm. and then it'll force you out of it which I, I'm not sure that's how no, I just I just throw it away yeah <laughs> I was like well fuck that I'm going to stick that in my back because Jesus Christ it's to hurt him every single so time so what's going to happen someone's going to that when they're driving and they're going to crash yeah pretty much yeah Sound Real like, smart. <laughs> just like uh, those 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 uh, seats that if you drive along they vibrate whilst whilst going along. Do you have one of those? I'm, better, I'm sure you do. No, no. no. I'm sure your Mercedes is. I ain't got a posh car like you, Tom. Nah, you I ain't got a posh car. car like you, Tom. You've got a Merc. You're <laughs> fine. Um, yeah. So interesting question, Dan. Because um, I think we could get increasingly known about this. Is uh, we had? Have you tried those? I think uh, Bradley put it up the uh, Cinnabon. Cereal? No, but I, I could get hold of them. There's a shop in a bath that doesn't, but I think they're seven quid a box. I can't really oh, justify yeah. eating a whole box that's going to cost seven quid. I might get it just for the just for the tea, what it's like. But in my experience, most of those cereals that you think are going to be amazing just aren't. Like I had the Reese's Puffs once, yeah, and they were just really poor. And they cost me a seven quid for the box, I think, something stupid. And I, since then, I've been burnt. I just thought, no, I'm not in the weather. Um, but I have seen them, and yeah, I, I just wonder if I if I bought them for seven quid, and they turned out just to be like that curiously cinnamon, I'd be gutted. Yeah, 
That's very true. You know, um, I think that's probably what they'll taste like. So, I mean, even they look like they look like cinnamon buns, though, right? I mean, mm. the novelty factor is enough alone. But yeah, it's interesting. Maybe we should try it. Get them in, but they don't have a uh, a character on them, which is poor. So I was thinking about this the other day. This is where my general musings go: is uh, the cereal characters on uh, cereal boxes. There's not one female at all. There's like the honey monster. There's the little the little bloke that does the uh, cocoa pops guy. The little monkey. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Is it? I'm sure there's, there's, there's rice, a... the rice krispies are all male. I'm sure there's a frozen cereal out. I've seen it. Frozen's that's that's not a legitimate one, though, is it? Well, okay, yeah. She's not like the character. She's I not guess, the character, but, uh, but yeah. yeah okay. There's, a, mono- there's, yeah, a, mon- there's a monopoly on on male. What was the characters. bee? What was the bee in the honey loops, though? What was that? that? that I swear that was a male bee, wasn't it? It's well, just Mr. I bee. can't remember. I'm just throwing it out there. Queen bee? It could have been queen bee. Could have been queen bee, but um, I'll tell you who will know. <laughs> Brett Hadley will know. Brett Hadley will know. Yeah, come at us. Yeah, if it's to do with, if it's to do with burgers or cereal, I'm easy. He'll know. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that's a weird. It was just the general musing. I was looking down the cereal. I couldn't. I couldn't find one. Even like the rice school guy. The, the little. I love. I love that things there. are that bad, Tom. You're looking for females in the cereal aisle <laughs> on boxes. I was just. I was just looking. I was like, there's not one that is uh, a female. It's a complete monopoly. All the rice crispy guys. They're all male. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tony the tiger. Um, yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is, meant, it is literally <laughs> mental, Tom. I can't think of anything more mental than that. General musings is going on in my mind. Right, clearly. God, let's go. That's it. Podcast <laughs> over. Tom's killed it. See you later, guys. All right, um, anything ha- happening, Team Box? Any any news that you want to shout out? Nothing? No. no um, the only thing was um, that we saw that Mike McDonald was advertising for positions, wasn't he? Yes. For anyone who's um, doing their MSc or just done their MSc or just done their undergraduate, he has a couple of placements on offer. Um, which I would highly recommend uh, yeah. you consider if you've just finished university and are looking for a way in to nutrition. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously, really credible guy, um, really good. You're great, doing his great, course. great, great hairstyle as well. Great hairstyle, great arms. Mm. Good Got arms. Huge arm. yeah. Al- always seems to have them out, no matter what picture they're. Uh, well, wouldn't you? Yeah, to you be know? honest, yeah. So maybe we'll get there. We'll get there one day, mate. Fine. When I'm 40, I'll get there as well. <laughs> All right. Um, no use, my friend. So thanks for listening, guys. And hopefully, you never know, we might have Emma Story Gordon on next week. Or we'll have another guest. We'll just replace He's her. hoping. Yeah. He's hoping. Praying. <laughs> just reach out to her and say, everybody realize that she's meant to be recording with us next weekend. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Peace out, guys. That's it.